I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. The playoffs are so close, we can taste it. We're talking five or four games for every team in the league. A few teams have already punched their tickets to the playoffs, while the other teams are fighting tooth and nail to get those last spots. So let's discuss. like our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com forward slash windsider that's patreon.com forward slash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and make what we do possible and while you're online make sure you check out all of our written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com if you're looking for a fun new way to enjoy the w Join us on Playback for our W Watch Parties. The link is playback.tv forward slash Winsider. That's playback.tv forward slash Winsider. And something that Rachel and I have been doing for a few years now is the Winsider Film Room. You can check it out on YouTube. Um, we, We bring players on the show. We watch film with them of their game, and they explain to us why they did what they did. I think it's unique and one of the coolest things in the W right now. But welcome back to the Windsider Show. I'm excited to be back in the booth with the great Hall of Famer, Rachel Galligan. Um, let me start off before uh, I let Rachel get into it and in saying that Rachel made a valiant comeback. She's now down just one in Pick'em against me. And for everyone who sent me a message, um, our sound editing team, our loyal listening fans, there is a smoke detector alarm going off in the background occasionally. Nobody is dying. No, nothing bad is happening. Uh, I just happen to live in a place that the management company doesn't want to help me fix the smoke detector. So I apologize to all of our listeners. Um, oh, God. Yeah, my apologies. That's great. But don't worry. Everyone's good. Everyone's safe. Rachel, thoughts on um, the state of the W? Man. I mean, thoughts. Um, it's gonna. It's not even two weeks left, right? We have. It's. It's more like September. September tenth. So we got like what eleven days left. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a week and a half, which just seems wild. I feel like it was like three weeks, um, like yesterday. So um, obviously, a lot has gone on um, at this at this point. There's a thousand different scenarios, right? You get to this scenario portion of the season where you kind of just start playing things out in your head. I mean, we know Las Vegas, New York, Connecticut have clinched the playoff spot. <clears throat> the Seattle Storm and Phoenix Mercury are out. The Indiana Fever, God love them, are barely, barely hanging on by a thread. I think I saw somewhere what ESPN Analytics gave them like a 0.1% chance of actually making the playoffs. So. There's that bit of information. Shout out to ESPN Analytics. But yeah, I mean, I think right now that's that four through 10 spot. And then, you know, like I think there's some teams in there that are, are really interesting to analyze. I mean, I, I obviously want to talk at some point about New York and how well they're playing when in, when in four games in a row, fresh off another win over the Las Vegas Aces. The Aces have lost two in a row. 
I went back and was like, when was the last time Las Vegas lost two in a row? Well, they did last season. So um, it wasn't as exciting as I thought that was going to be. Um, but yeah, New York playing obviously exceptionally very well, just one and a half games back from that first, um, that f- number one seed. And and they have the tiebreaker. Yeah. And they have the tiebreaker, which is huge. I mean, that that truly could come down. Now I will say, you know, Vegas has a favorable schedule rest of the way mm-hmm. if you want to go mm-hmm. through kind of the end of that. But I, I think, you know, it's a matter of getting through Friday and Sunday um, and then getting an opportunity. I, I was listening to Becky Hammond. She said, I'm going to give them as many days as they want. They want two, they want four. That's what we're going to get. You know, we need to get healthy. You can tell the fatigue is at play. You can tell the depth is an issue. Um, obviously this point of the season, yes, I understand everybody is having long road trips. Everyone's having long road swings. Um, but you know, just talking specifically about Las Vegas and just where they're at at this point of the season, at the end of August, you can definitely tell what the number one seed has been battling. So, um, going to be really interesting to see how they, they finish up and obviously New York hitting their stride. I mean, it takes a while for teams to figure it out. And, and this is, in my opinion, the most exciting team in the WNBA right now. It'll be fun to see some of the power rankings that come out. I would be shocked if, if New York's not in that top spot for a lot of people's, but I want to focus more so on, you know, that, that four through 10, um, I think Dallas wings, you know, is that, that next team just vying to kind of secure their spot from my understanding, if they win on Friday over the Indiana fever, they will secure a playoff spot. Or if the Chicago sky lose, the sky had a huge win um, the other night we going to talk about that? We We're going to talk about that last play? Man, man. Can we talk about the fact that Neka Ogumke had 20 shot attempts and zero free throw attempts? They don't respect the defending MVP. It's funny because I think that like in the W world, we we often have a, a recency bias. For sure. Um, where like, people forget that Neka's putting up stats better than her MVP season. She is an MVP, right? And while we sit here, we go, you know, this player who's recently had success doesn't get MVP calls or this player doesn't like or or the flip side. Like we talk about Diana Taurasi just finding ways to like throw her body. I saw like a interview with her at the halftime of a game last night. Um, I don't, It wasn't like a live interview or anything, but she was talking about how as she's gotten older. She's had to adapt her game. And like if you didn't chuckle and think to yourself by adapt your game, you mean just like throw your body into the defender. So you get a couple free throws. I know. And like, look, I respect it because she's doing what she can to help her team win. And it's according to the rules. And if the refs are going to call it, the refs are going to call it. But a player like Neka Gumake, who like maybe doesn't have the accolades of a, of a Diana Taurasi fine. But like, would I put her on the same pedestal of like getting MVP calls? Heck yes. I'm so like, I'm not giving Diana, you know what I mean? Like, NECA makes her living in the paint and and to not get free throws, I think. And I think it's been an issue this whole season, I would argue. For sure. For sure. Let's talk about that final play, um, that that aggressive, powerful drive to the rim by Kalia Copper. What are your thoughts on that? So here's my thing. And I think I texted you this earlier in the morning. I watched the play. My initial reaction is that's a push off. Like, there's no question that should have been called now. I will caveat that with it. I did not watch the full game. I haven't had a chance to watch the full. Like I saw highlights, looked at the box scores, looked at, you know, a few key things, watched some clips of it. I have not watched it in its entirety. If the game was being called like that, 
like allowing the physicality, allowing, you know, that type of stuff. I completely get it. And on the flip side, I also get like, if you're sitting there and you're a Chicago or you're a fan, nobody wants to be watching one of the biggest stars in the game make a cut to the basket to take the lead as time is expiring with like, what was it, 22 seconds left? And you call a foul on that. I could see fans be like, you know what I mean? Like I see it both ways where if they call it, it's, oh, they're calling ticky tack fouls. Why are they doing that when the game's on the line? Refs shouldn't decide it. But on the other hand, it's like, I mean, that looked like a shove to me. Um, and you got to call the call when the call is there. I'm cu- I'm curious for you, Rachel, as someone who's coached, played, um, and is so close to the game, like, where do you kind of fall on the let them play versus make a call in those waning moments of a tight game? Man, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's a hard, hard, hard situation. I can see arguments for both ways. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head about, it comes down to how has the game been officiated for the entirety of the game and trying to remain consistent. You know, you, you can't just all of a sudden, if, if they're allowing them to play physical um, and, and other things have been able to, you know, they've been able to get away with things throughout the course of the game. And then in the final moments, you want to make it ticky tack and you want to make a call that was not being called 20 minutes ago. Um, that That's where I have an issue with it. I think the consistency across the board is where, you know, I, I have to lean on in terms of, okay, how is this being called? I can watch that. I can, I'm looking at this play right now as we're having a conversation and I can see an argument for both ways. You know, there definitely is a shoulder dip. There definitely is uh, arguing a, a flop. Um, I, I could see an argument for both ways. I, I have to almost stay neutral on it because I just, I, I love the aggressive, strong take by Copper. I think it was, you know, Back to the point about, you know, NECA not getting to the free throw line. Was this a game that was relatively physical through the stretch and they're letting them kind of play through some things? Now, I watched about two and a half quarters of it. I wasn't able to watch the beginning of the game. But for the most part, it felt like that was pretty on par with how the rest of the game was was being played. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. I didn't watch the whole thing. I'm doing a bunch of wedding stuff. Everybody knows I'm getting married here. Very, very soon. Shout out. That's exciting. Finals, opening night, Rachel. In in your opinion, um, like from from watching the game, was it consistent for how the rest of the game had been played? Yeah, I mean, like from what I saw, again, I didn't watch it in its entirety from start to finish. I would say yes. Just from what I saw, I think there's signs pointing to yes. Now, my thing is, like, if it's an egregious call, then I think you can kind of change it. I don't know. I I I, I go back and forth. I just, Rachel, if you haven't figured this out already, I just argue with myself in my head. <laughs> and then like whoever wins that argument gets like five minutes of me speaking it. And then the other side uh, takes over. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you know, at that point in the game, LA was on a 12 to two run. They had done a great job of executing out of their timeouts and had had some really solid looks. Carly was knocking down threes and and playing exceptionally well, even on that last possession, you know, they had three, you know, pretty solid looks at the basket, you know? So like, for me, I I look at this call and I look at this specific situation, but like, there's no gap help on the backside. She had, once she got past Jordan Canada, splitting of the sea, it was essentially a straight line drive to the basket. And NECA is able to come over and kind of contest 
at the last second, but you know, there, there wasn't, there wasn't any gap help. There wasn't any, you know, in terms of like the types of defense you'd want to see in that scenario. So, I mean, it was, it was a straight line drive to the basket. And then I would say, okay, the next, the next possession down, I mean, LA got three solid looks. If, if one of those go in, I thought when Carly got the offensive rebound and she was able to put it back up, I thought that was going like, I was like, mm-hmm. hey, it, it, the end of the game had been going. I thought LA was going to run away with it on that kind of offensive rebound. But it didn't go. But if, if if that shot goes, we're not even having this conversation anymore. Well, not having conversation, then we got to talk about this. Like, offensive rebounds, 14 to 8 in L.A.'s favor, okay? Steals, 10 to 7 L.A.'s favor, right? All right, blocks, we'll ignore that one. Um, turnovers, 14 to 9 L.A.'s favor. Fouls, uh, you know, personal fouls, 15 to 15. So, like, it, w- it was a fairly even game. The thing that's truly, truly standing out, even heck, three-pointers right nine out of 22 for chicago seven of 23 for la um and they in both teams what 12 free throws versus 13 so like i don't think it was a lopsided in in how it was officiated the thing that stands out to me is chicago shot 46 percent from the field whereas la shot 36 percent. that's the big gap and the big gap for me is that you're talking about the difference of making one shot. LA made one less shot, 29 shots to 30 shots. The difference was LA took 14 more shots. They just weren't able to find the bottom of the basket. And I think, you know, we can talk about that last play, getting opportunities. We can talk about other things. Chicago is the type of team that attacks the paint. When Kalia Copper is your best player, you know there's going to be a lot of movement, a lot of action, a lot of, you know, game in the paint that's just what Ka does she gets downhill she plays in transition but she just swiss cheeses you cuts you up um puts holes in you you know in the paint and so i think i honestly this game makes me want to look back at chicago sky games throughout the season and kind of how they've been officiated in the sense of i just think that when you have players that chicago has players who sometimes aggressively i mean maybe also like attack the paint when you have those players i think you can have referees do one of two things either call everything or call on the other end less than they should um and it seems like this was probably a game of calling less than they should even if it was even and again the reason we are spending so much time talking about this matchup <laughs> we're talking about the, the the arguably the race for that final spot um, well let's Rachel, let's run. Let's talk about this real quick. So right now, as of today, okay, WNBA standings. You said this before. Seattle and Phoenix out, uh, ten and twenty-five and nine and twenty-six. Right. Um, Indiana essentially, they're not out out, but like you said, they have a point oh one 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 percent chance. Right. They're eleven and twenty-four. They essentially have the same record as those two other teams. Then you have that skip up to the number nine spot, and I think. You know, this is really, really interesting. Dallas beats Minnesota last night. Sorry, Washington beats Minnesota last night to go 17 and 18. Bump up throughout all the tiebreakers and everything, right? We have three teams, the fifth seed, the sixth seed, and the seventh seed, all with 17 wins. Mm -hmm. It goes Washington at five, Atlanta at six, Minnesota at seven. Um, So the interesting part, and then that game that we just talked about, L.A., 15 and 20 at eighth spot and then Chicago 15th and 15 and 21 in the ninth spot. So like those teams right there, right. It's a two game separation between 
Washington yep. and LA and Chicago. So we can easily see a lot of movement between I, I, I look at Dallas differently. Like Dallas is going to lose some stupid games, lose two in a row to Minnesota without Satu. Fine. Like, but I feel like th- they're pretty much a lock. It's, it's five through nine for me. Like I already consider Dallas as a playoff team. I already consider Indiana as I, out. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I, I, yeah, sorry, uh, long-windedly. It's really interesting because you have these teams fighting for that last spot. And now we've been saying this all season. You look at Washington, Atlanta, Minnesota, LA, and Chicago, the only team that literally has every reason to win and no reason to lose is Chicago. And I'm excited for like what the end of the season looks well, like for them. And the win on Tuesday, you know, they, 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 have, they now have the tiebreaker over mm-hmm. Over LA, which is huge. I mean, LA still has a shot, but right now, that's why that 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 specific game and that specific ending and the way it all played out is so important, and why we why we've spent so much time on it. Because again, it's like that final that final number eight spot in the playoffs is likely going to be you know one of those one of those two teams. And in Chicago, that win was so big, not just because they you know they're not eliminated, but because they win the tiebreaker over over mm-hmm. LA and being so close neck and neck with them. Can I drop a little interesting aspect for you? So I'm looking at, if nobody's looked at this, look at tankathon.com. It's super fun. Um, But they have a little tab where you can look at the remaining schedule strength. Um, Shout out to them because for a very long time, WNBA, you you know, people had to spend hours doing the math on them on their own. Take a step. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm looking at Chicago. Chicago has four games left. They play New York and Connecticut once each Next. New York has five games left and similarly play. Sorry. New York plays. Why am I looking at New York? Sorry. I say, why, why are we talking about New York right now? <laughs> LA, LA and Chicago both play Connecticut and New York once each. Okay. So even break there, they're both taking on two top teams in this league. Then Chicago moves on to the, their last two games. Fever. Mm-hmm. Right, a lottery team, and Minnesota, a team that's a bubble playoff team. And yes, I'm saying that. Um, LA Sparks play Seattle twice and the Mystics once. So while like I kind of prefer, I don't know. Like what? What would you prefer, Rachel? Play well, Fever once, have, Minnesota once, or four games left? Am I am I listening to you correctly? Chicago is four. LA has five. So LA is playing one extra game. They play Seattle twice and the Mystics once. Um, Whereas Chicago is just fever and Minnesota once each. I mean, essentially like, here's my thing. I Seattle in my mind, whether or not they're winning more games. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, I mean, Seattle's not better than the fever, whatever. Mystics are (laughs) like not, on the same level as the fever or Chicago or Minnesota or whatever, like just hands down. I think you, me and uh, Matt were texting about this last night during the game. Like the difference between the mystics and some of these other teams is like hands down. You look at this roster player, player, player is better than their opponents. And it's whether or not they produce and they play well. Um, that's the real kind of deciding factor. Well, and so, they, they have yeah. Elena Deladon. I mean, yes, like we all know this, we're not saying this to anybody who doesn't know. When Elena Deladon is on the floor, it changes the entire dynamic of the game, mm-hmm. and she can carry the Mystics, you know, to 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 be successful in this final final stretch. So it's like, I think it was was it you that was talking about a couple of weeks ago, like, mm-hmm. like Washington's an actually a pretty solid 
position, assuming they can get healthy. Yeah. Um, and I think we're starting to see the, you know, the, the tides have turned now. Elena's back on the floor. They've won a couple games. You know, I would hate to be one of those top seeds and have to face them in the first round. I mean, oh God, that would just, be which is horrible. End up, you know, probably transpiring for the most part. But like, dang, that that's brutal. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, in terms of like, okay, which, which schedule would you rather have? I guess we could go round and round about that. But L.A. with five opportunities, Chicago with two. It really comes down to me. Um, that tiebreaker. That tiebreaker is all the difference in the world. Yeah, I, 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 I have to think I want Chicago, even though technically. I don't understand how this is possible according to this, that like Chicago has a tougher record, I guess, because of where Minnesota was ranked and Seattle being ranked below. But like that Washington game is going to be key. And then playing two games at the end of the season against Seattle. Yes, they have nothing to play for, Um, which, by the way, I just want everyone to know in that game that Seattle lost, I think, was it against Chicago? Um, Yeah, Seattle's down five with like enough time to make a play for it. Right. And Jewel standing in a corner, jumping up and down, waving her hands. Uh, Jordan Horston clearly following direction of the coach. Dribbles ball out. Will that, this is such a tangent, such a side piece. Do you think, and I don't even know, Rachel, if you even saw it, but like Jewel's just standing in the corner flailing and was pissed. It looked like, obviously on TV, haven't spoken to her. Um, (laughs) She looked pissed. Um, walking off the court for that one. Do you think that that could become a defining moment for Jewel Lloyd's Seattle career? Or in the sense of like, could that be a moment that she goes, this, they're not doing this the way I want it to be done. Um, and, and, and possibly lighting a spark that ignites a flame. Or do we think that that's just like, you know, those moments happen. She are, like, it's a whole season. We knew this was coming. I probably personally lean towards the latter. But man, you really took a hard left on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I just think I'm not saying in the sense of I think it is that, but I think, you know, I always like to be aware. Granted, my wife says I'm very oblivious to my surroundings. I always like to be aware of my surroundings in the sense of like when something happens, thinking to the future, thinking back to that moment, like, will that be a defining moment? And I think. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have that, right? With Skylar Diggins-Smith and Dana Taurasi just getting to, you know, uh, a, a friendly dispute on the sidelines during the game and Tina Charles just sitting there like, why am I here? Um, and then sometimes you don't have it, maybe with this Jewel Lloyd thing. But I just think it's something that, like, I don't want to forget that moment because oh. if Jewel leaves, I've got, somebody's got to ask her, like, was that a moment? I would um, say for me, it was probably more of a holistic encompassing of this entire season. You know, and and the the weight that was on Lloyd's back, and and the, the the everything that she had to do night in and night out to try and carry this team for the ten wins they have so far this season. Now, okay, you're out. Um, a lot of times, a team like that, when they have they have nothing to lose, they're just playing games and and trying to, I guess, you know, have fun and finish out the season as a professional. Like, you know, that's that's the part about Seattle that's nerve wracking. You have Jewel Lloyd who could put up, mm-hmm. you know, 45 points a night. And, and that's an issue, obviously. But yeah, I mean, I would say that's more of a holistic encompassing of just the entire season and the level of frustration and, and how far this franchise has fallen from the top to where they're at now is wild to think about. Um, obviously, we know we knew it was coming. We knew it was happening. The future is going to be extremely interesting. But 
I'm bringing that back to talk about just them in the playoffs. I, I don't know that I would be overly thrilled to, to, to face a Seattle team and a, a, a frustrated Jewel Lloyd who can go off at any moment. Um, Especially, you know, LA Sparks are going to need. But here's the thing. Like, if I'm being blunt, LA's done enough with all the injuries and Lexi Brown being out for so long and, you know, uh, so much turnover in the new regime and all this. Isn't that like, if I'm LA, I'm thanking the refs. If I'm LA, I'm going, okay, we're half a game above Chicago to be out of the playoffs and into the lottery. Let's do that. Because if I'm being honest, Atlanta doesn't need to get in the lottery. They have the solid pieces, like the cornerstones. They just need to add some other pieces and have those cornerstones grow a little bit. I'm not worried about LA or Atlanta, Minnesota. They should want to get out of the play. They don't want to be in the playoffs. If it, I'm not saying they don't want to. I'm saying like if I'm in charge, they don't want to because Minnesota is a subpar team. People can hype it up. Oh, they started 0 and 6, and now they're 17 and 19. Whoopty freaking do! I'm sorry. It's like go off. Go off. <laughs> I, because like here's my thing. Like Washington wants to move forward in the playoffs. They have they have this team. Will they stay together after this year? Who knows. Make that push. Fifth seed, honestly, might even hurt them more, right? They might even want to be in a lower seed so they can take on one of these top dogs when they're their most healthy. I know some people disagree with me on that. Um, Minnesota should want to move out and figure out how they can, because here's the thing that nobody really, really, really wants to talk about is because it's accumulated over two years in the lottery, like, it's the first year that's the hardest, in my opinion, to tank. And maybe tanking is not the right word, but like, you know what I mean? Because Find once you've position, because we're all competitors, right? Everyone's yeah. competitors. They want to win games. Coaches want to win games. Exactly. Uh, but, and but from a big picture perspective, which mm-hmm. franchises benefits the most from being in the lottery this year? Again, like yes. we're, we're looking at years down the line, not just okay. Let's inch into the playoffs and let's get beat in the first round. Exactly. Because, like, Rachel, if if you're the GM or the president of basketball operations or whatever, and I tell you, hey, you can make the playoffs for the next three years, lose in the first round every time, or you can be in the lottery for two years and make it to the second round of the playoffs in year three or four. I actually think it's more beneficial for Chicago to be in the lottery. Because they don't get the pick. Oh, that's true. I'm sorry. That's what I mean. I, I mean, I meant LA. It's more beneficial yeah. for LA to be in the lottery. Yes. If Chicago, I mean, they traded all of those assets away. It, it, it's, it's completely irrelevant for LA and the long-term success. And let's just even say for next year, mm-hmm. even, even if LA is in the lottery this year, um, you know, and they're able, they're able to secure that pick. That's awesome. Exciting for them. Great. That's a huge asset and piece that they can build around. We've all talked about, we will continue as we transition into the college basketball season to talk about this upcoming year's draft, but LA, that's a huge piece. I don't see this team regardless of, I don't see this team being in the lottery next year, not with a Kurt Miller coach team and the moves that they're going to be able to make this free agency. You've got players like Jewel Lloyd, you've got question marks and other players like Skylar Diggins Smith. I mean, they're going to have a great free agency. In my opinion, this team is going to get healthy. In my opinion, you know, the, 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 this team, the L.A. Sparks that we're talking about right now versus one year from now is going to be completely different. I don't see them being in the lottery two years in a row. I completely agree. Now, I will also say that, like, when I talk about I want to be very clear, 
because I see this a lot and I like to, you know, split hairs. LA's had a lot of injuries this year. I don't think, for the most part, for sure. they impacted the final outcome of their season. If I'm being 100% blunt. Like, with Lexi Brown, fine, I'll give you that. But, like, Steph Talbot, who's been a usable role player at best, and a, you know, uh, uh, a Carly, or a Katie Lou, I mean, like, who hasn't, you know, actually had WNBA success yet. So, like, in my mind, like, L.A. loves to say, you know, the L.A. media and L.A. fans, oh, we had so many injuries. But, yeah, Jazz Thomas was hurt, too. Uh, You know, all this stuff. Like, L.A. created a narrative, and that's what teams do, right? You create the narrative you to form a family, things like that. And I completely agree with you. They're not going to be back in the lottery because they're going to have a much better roster next year. Well, There's going to be so much turnaround. Exactly, exactly. And this this season for LA was about riding the ship, camaraderie rise, culture wise, getting stability back into the franchise from from the front office to the coach to the players. You know, stabilizing LA again and making that a solid building piece for the future. And you've been able to do that with, with, with really solid professionals. There's been field. I mean, from what we can tell no drama this season, there's been no absolute chaos. And, and I think that they've been able to achieve that. That is the win. And that is, that is what this year needed to be for LA to me, to me, whether they're in the playoffs or not, honestly, I think it's more beneficial for them to be in the lottery is I'll, I'll continue to yeah. say it for the long-term success of this franchise. I completely agree. And also, I'll say this, long-term success of Minnesota. I think it's better for them to be in the lottery, too. Now, granted, they would be fighting with L.A. for that last lottery spot. Um, but I, I just think that, like, sorry to go back to Minnesota. I just had to finish this rant. They, I said this at the beginning of the year, and I will, and I, I, I will make this comment. At the beginning of the year, I said, I think this Minnesota roster is a lottery team. And a lot of people said I was crazy. Um, from my perspective, they, they have been the biggest surprise of the season in the sense of they have been able to hold their own against some of the, right. They beat a Connecticut and then they beat New York without Nafis Collier. I think what we have seen though, is we got back into the Minnesota Lynx, like reality set in, right. The off season. We can talk about these things, predictions, blah, blah, blah. It's like, at the end of the day, the Minnesota Lynx decided to follow a path of essentially doing a similar thing that they've done over the past few years that hasn't worked. I know a lot of people will point to getting swept by Seattle Storm in the semifinals and being like five seconds away from winning the first game of that series as like a point of, oh, they can succeed. I would argue differently that it was a bubble season that was missing how many superstars and they were able to provide, you know, a fill to a hole, like some team needs to win. Um, some team needs to be in that seed. But I think Minnesota has surprised me in the sense of they've held their own at times, but at the end of the day, they are who we thought they were. But I also um, think that they have really good, they have really solid pieces on this. Yes. Side. You know, you've got a, arguably a next tier MVP caliber player. Yes. You've got great rookies who've really stepped up and played exceptionally well. You've got Kayla McBride, who has had a really great season. You know, I mean, you, you just even Jessica Shepard, who missed a large portion of the season, is a really good player, a solid mm-hmm. piece to any team in this league. So, like, to, I, I don't even look at Minnesota and, and L.A. 
on like the same playing field in times in terms of like the the talent that's actively on the court. I think Minnesota is a tier above. They've got better players than I think maybe we gave them credit for at the earlier earlier part of the season. No, 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 no. Um, because he's <laughs> Rachel. Here's the thing: <laughs> Minnesota has six players that I would keep on roster, maybe seven. You got Fee, Kayla McBride, uh, Jessica Shepard, Milich, obviously, Diamond Miller, and Dorka. Those are the six, in my mind, the only six on this roster I would keep. Okay, now, they're going to be lucky that next year, Natalie Chanwa, unrestricted free agent, that 155, gone. Ariel Powers, that 201, gone. Um, You know, Lindsay Allen, gone. Uh, Rachel Bannum, gone. Like, all those players should be gone. Tiffany Mitchell, you've kind of locked yourself into that at 139. I'm curious to see kind of what that does, because while she's been, like, here's my thing. Minnesota has a lot of really good role players. And then they have Fee, who is a superstar MVP caliber player. Sure. At the end of the day, you, you we're going to need to see Diamond Miller and Dorka grow. That That's what it comes down to. And then you have a three-headed monster if they hit their potential. Honestly, I'm more impressed this season by Dorka than I was from Diamond Miller, if I'm being real. Um, and I think that like they have a good team. They need one to two more big name players. Sure. They need, you know, somebody who's going like uh, Jessica Shepard is a great sixth woman, arguably sixth woman of the year, you know, because she has that skill set. She could be a starter, but maybe she benefits them more coming off the bench now that you have Dorka. Think like they have players like that. Right. And then they have fee. They have players that can you can plug them in onto a really good team. And then you have fee. But you need one or two more. Okay. And good leaders. And, and regardless, I mean, regardless if they are in the playoffs or not, this is a team who, <laughs> of course, you could make that argument. Yeah, like you said, it is more beneficial. They're going to they're gonna have the cap space and, and the, the mm-hmm. flexibility and the freedom that they didn't quite have last free agency period to make moves. This free agency, I mean, this free agency, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, for Minnesota is going to be of the ages. This is extremely mm-hmm. important moving forward. Oh, yeah. And they're going to have the opportunity to, to do that with the cap space and the moves that they'll be able to make. So. I don't know. We're, we're getting on. Today is the day of tangents, guys. We apologize. We have, I, you know, I was traveling last week. We didn't get to chat and just like <laughs> vent it all out. I apologize uh, to our sound editor because there's a lot more beeps in the background. There should have been the last topic I want to touch on. Because um, look, let's be real. We're going to have some guests on coming on soon uh, for the show. Some playoff superstars, some playoff uh, up and comers, you know, things like that. But um, something that was so we're going to have a lot more episodes coming. That's what I was trying to say. But uh, as the playoffs come, there was a a funny, fun, eye-rolling, head-palm moment uh, earlier today. Some news came out that uh, Commissioner Kathy Engelbert had sent a message to all the teams essentially saying that, like, well, yes, I said um, full playoffs will be chartered or whatever the exact terminology was. Let me pull that up just so I don't have anyone going. Yeah, starting by the next... I believe, by the full way. Full playoffs. Yeah. Um, she had said full playoffs will be chartered. Um, reporting from the next one and Howard Magdal, basically, essentially, the memo comes out and the memo says you get one charter flight to the games. Ascent- meaning, if, you know, Rachel and I, or if Dallas is playing in round one against LA and they win in two games and then they have a week off until their next game, they can either charter back home and then fly commercial to the game, 
or they can charter directly to the new city they're going to. Or they can fly commercial home, then charter to the game. So essentially being as the way the schedule is made, because we play in a league that has series, um, it's very possible that during the playoffs, some of these teams will not be fully flying uh, commercial. And I know we chatted about this earlier. I mean, part of me just kind of chuckles. I think I said this earlier, because if if I'm being 100% honest, yes, obviously, the main headline is like Kathy Engelbert deceives WNBA media fans, whatever. But like, also part of me just can't help but be like, why do we fall for it? <laughs> like, why did we, when she said full playoffs, as opposed to saying every flight during the playoffs will be chartered, why didn't somebody go, Kathy, are you saying every flight will be chartered? Or are you saying something else? Right. And I think that's kind of it where people, you know, all of us included, myself included, we jump to the, oh, there, this is happening now. Cool. Let's run with it. We're excited as opposed to, and I think maybe that might be a, a good analogy for WNBA expansion where I I don't it's think we should push to it. You know what I mean? It's like take our time, make sure it's good. Yeah. It comes down to fine print. I'll be honest. When, when that news came out earlier this season about charter flights in the playoffs, I, I personally just kind of like, I was like, oh, that's great. That's a great step. But at the same time, I thought to myself, I'm going to wait until we get <laughs> the season and we yeah. see the logistics of how this actually plays out. Like to me, I, I was actually very shocked that they could pull that off. And I was obviously reading the headlines and the graphics and, you know, they just said, oh, char- private, you know, charter flights for all of, for, for playoffs, like without reading the fine print. I thought to myself, there, I'm going to visit this at the end of the season and really think about this. and and like there has to be more to the story here, you know, like, like I didn't, I guess I didn't expect it all to be fully chartered for every logistical portion of each of these single trips. A team gets eliminated and they get to fly charter home or, you know what I'm like? Yeah. Now we're seeing the fine print. Now we're seeing how it actually looks. Now we're seeing how, okay, yeah, it might make sense to charter, charter certain portions of this, but then other way, other times when there's not a time crunch and your season could be over, like flying commercial makes sense. You know, I just, I see all sides of that. And I guess in my mind, I just, I kind of, I knew there was going to be more fine print than what was coming out in that exact moment. But oh yeah, I and and also like understand the frustration, that is for sure. Because it definitely came across from all of us, from all the reporting and everything oh, yeah. at that time, that it was going to be charter flights for all the playoffs. Well, and I'll, and I'll also add that, like, in case we're talking about the topic of it, because I think it's very clear we all want charter flights for the whole league, for every game, for all, obviously we want it to be financially viable and all those things. Well, like, we're not sitting here going like, oh, we're happy they didn't get charter. Like, we're all. discussing the tale of announcement, taking it back, people run like that aspect of it. There's a pattern here. You could even say the same thing with expansion. You know, that Mm -hmm. that hasn't played out the way we had originally had believed or we thought that it would, you know, it's like, well, that's just because they're going to Denver, Rachel. Wow. Knock on wood. Let's, let's. (laughs) Uh, Rachel's like, Rachel, for those who don't know, Rachel's told me explicitly not to bring that up because she doesn't want me to jinx it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's going to happen. It's fine. I do. I do believe that, but it's just a matter of when at this uh, number, that's what I No, I agree. Well, they think, will they be in the first grouping of it? Will they be in the second grouping? I don't know, but I, I I do feel very confident that one of the four 
expansion teams will be in Denver. But however, um, yeah, we're, 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 I'm just saying there's been a pattern here of announcements and walking it back and asterisks and things like that in, in the history of this league and, you know, the things that we get excited about. And then it's like, oh, hold on. Here's the fine print. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised about it, to be honest. Um, Want to let everyone know September 11th or September 12th, Rachel and I will be doing a special live, that's right, live recording of the Windsider show over on Playback. So I hope everyone can join us. We'll get some more details out on that. September 13th is when playoffs start. September 10th is the last regular season game. So uh, not only will we have our normal episodes and stuff like that in that window um, and throughout the playoffs and everything, um, but just wanted to drop a line and let everyone know, check your calendars, check social media, listen to the podcast. We'll have one to two, maybe even three episodes by then. Um, and we'll definitely plug it again. But the first ever live recording of the Windsider show will be happening cool. uh, over on playback.tv forward slash Windsider. All right, Rachel, we got one last thing to do. You know it. I know it because I'm currently winning by one. It's pick them. As we head into the last games tomorrow, as we record this or on the 31st, we have three games. Let's do the next six games, Rachel, and, and let's let's pick our winners. So first we got the Mercury and the Sun. Man. Who are you going with? Mercury at Sun. Phoenix just literally looked like they had zero interest in being on the court the other night. It's hard for me to like, good God, it's, uh, I just, it's Connecticut. Of course I'm going Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me too. I, and, and we're also close enough now that like, I'm no longer going to uh, let you get the picks you want. Mystics at Aces. Aces. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I definitely want to go Aces. I'll, I'll go Mystics, though. You know what? If, if I think that they're going to be, uh, you know, a whatever, a, a, a playoff upset team, then I better go with them, right? Yeah. Um, Storm at Sparks. Man. That's a tough one. That's a big game. I mean, I mean, every game now for LA and Chicago is important to have your eyes out for that for sure. Um, I'm going to go LA. They're going to win that one. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of also, I think she, Jules just going to be pissed. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she just like pissed off her game, whatever. Um, wings at fever. We're going wings, right? Yep. Um, dream at links. Ooh, man. That's a good one. Ooh, that's a side note. Minnesota Lynx are raising their season ticket prices 31% for next year. Wow. It's a lot of money for a team that I wonder how that fan base is feeling about that. Oh, they're pissed. <laughs> oh, they're real pissed. My stepdad's mad. All the, the Facebook groups, the fan page, they are Yikes. real mad. Especially, I think, side tangent, I think part of it's also because the benefits that season ticket holders get, they used to have a lot of private events and, and, and do fun things and, and give away free stuff to them. They no longer do like any of that. I think they do like one event or two events a year. Fans are pissed. Um, all right. Dream at links. Mm. Oh, I'm going to go Minnesota. Okay, perfect. We got a split. Rachel going MN, me going ATL. Okay. Um, and the last of our six, Sun at Liberty. Oh, I just, um, I think New York is on a next level right now. I see this, I see this stretch continuing on. I'm going to go Liberty. 
I agree also. Um, but I'm, I'll be nice. I mean, that's for not this an one. easy one. That's not an easy one. It's not an easy one. And the only reason I think it is like, look, New York is nine and one in their last 10 games. Um, New York is the hottest team in the league. I put them as the number one team in the last power rankings. I'll probably put them again as number one. Um, there's just, I don't know. I see one more hiccup. Um, and it's either in this game or it's against the wings, but I just see uh, one more hiccup in this. So I'm going to go with the sun. Not that I think it like matters that much almost, but I don't know. I just Alyssa Thomas quadruple double night. Maybe I'm just thankful that we have some parody in that and I'm just going to take the lead. So it's fine. When I'm just ha- oh please. Um, I'm just happy that we have a freaking Alyssa Thomas and we get to watch her play. Oh, like, yeah, of course. Oh man. Um. All right. Well, one last thing before we log off, Rachel. Remind me again. I forgot. Who's your goat? <laughs> um, who is my goat? I don't know. No comment. All right. We'll catch you <laughs> next time. <laughs>